Hi, and welcome, welcome to this week's Cosmic Prayer. I'm so happy to be here. My name is Laura Topper, and I'm streaming here from the UK through New Thought Media Network. Of course, I'm here through New, New Thought Media Network because I love New Thought Media Network doing so much on this planet, bringing so many amazing broadcasts to the world on a daily basis. And the Cosmic Prayer is one of those. And today on The Cosmic Prayer, we have an incredible super guest. I've just been chatting with her backstage here, um, getting to know her and feeling her beauty and her energy and her joy and her light as she shines that all the way from California. So we really are global here and we, we put that into practice here on The Cosmic Prayer. So our super guest this week is Reverend Molly Kate. And Molly is a humanitarian teacher, a speaker, a writer, a counselor. She's the spiritual leader of Unity Church of the Redwoods in Eureka, Cal Eureka, I love that, Eureka, California. <laughs> and Molly is absolutely devoted to uh, bringing her knowing of humanitarian passion to this life and bridging the barriers between people uh, that are holding clashing beliefs about whatever they, those belief systems are, Reverend Molly sees herself as this, uh, this light, leader of light. And I know that she shines her light because I'm experiencing this right now. So I'm going to welcome Reverend Molly here. And if you're here with me live, then join as we welcome Reverend Molly Kate. So great to be with you here today. Welcome to the Cosmic Prayer. Thank you, Laura. It's such a joy to be here, and especially on Valentine's Day. What a treat to get to yes. talk about prayer and love together. Oh, what a great combination. Valentine's Day, which we know is is universal, and, uh, and yeah, I'm excited to talk about prayer and love with oh, yeah. you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you're you're here all the way from California. I love that, that, that uh, Unity of Redwoods is in Eureka. I love that. <laughs> Somebody had found it. <laughs> they just thought, ah, oh, we found it. And I was surprised. I'm surprised that folks who found it from that tradition knew enough of Greek to say Eureka, you know, yeah. we have found it. So it is a beautiful place, this area. This is Northern California along the coast, almost to the Oregon border, not quite. Wow. Not redwood trees. Oh, uh, yes. It's quite beautiful here. Beautiful. And they are very blessed that you are there and sharing your knowing of prayer and love. And this teaching, um, this teaching from our teachers, I know that you you are a science of mind, center for spiritual living, a minister, and you practice in a unity center and church as well. So it's wonderful to bring all of these new thoughts, teachers together. Yes. And yeah, and be that leading light. And I want to ask you, Reverend Molly, what, what prayer really means for you. Ooh. Prayer is the centerpiece of life lived well, I would say. It's the way in which we manifest, whether we're aware of it or not. So that awareness is really crucial in order to be able to shape a life that is gifted with giving and is also an opportunity to receive good. It's, it's, it's both and. And I think prayer um, 
and I'd love to define that more as we go along, is, yeah. is really the key to doing that. So do you, from what I'm hearing, you're saying it's like, it's a work in progress. All we can learn, we can learn it through it by yeah. using it. That's right. And we're, well, and we're using it whether we know it or not. This is one of the great teachings that I love from Ernest Holmes, um, that we are using this power, whether we are conscious of it or not. So why not be conscious of it and use it to create good for ourselves and others? And I think that's a, a, one of the most brilliant messages I've ever heard anyone say in any format anywhere in my life. So it really became um, a centerpiece in how I wanted to understand prayer and be able to transmit that to other people. It's both a cautionary tale and an exciting one at the same time. <laughs> I was just going to ask you about that because that that kind of, for me, that it feels as if, oh, there could be guilt in there or shame. We're using it anyway. And it, and how about, you know, if our lives aren't manifesting or tra transpiring or they don't, you know, the experience isn't what we think it should be. How yeah. then do we step away from those feelings of guilt and blame? Oh, I'm not using it properly. Yeah, I'm glad you yeah. brought that up because that's not at all what the message is supposed to impart to people. We, uh, most of us, live in a society, whether it's here in the U.S. or presumably in the U.K. and perhaps around the world where there's so many ways in which guilt and shame are imprinted on people. It's, uh, I think, one of the great crises of humanity, and maybe that's been so for many centuries. But one of the things I love about this teaching is it can help undo that, because first, if you're not aware of this power that you have, you can't take the blame for what it does in your life. Um, if you do become aware of it, <clears throat> the message is to just to get out of it that, ah, everything I do then can be diagnostic, let's say, <clears throat> of where my spiritual life is, of where I'm putting my thoughts. And so it's like having a really great teacher of how to constantly retool and fine tune our thinking toward what really brings us joy and shares love with the world rather than saying I'm messing up. You know, this is always a choice. It's always a and choice. And I love what you've just said because it's, it feels then as if rather than trying to get something from it. So as you said at the very beginning, you know, we have this two ways, you know, we're, we're to manifest. We can either manifest from, the positive or we can we're manifesting anyway we're manifesting anyway and so we have that control we have that power yeah. so what i'm hearing you saying is then well well if it's a if it's our teacher if prayer is our teacher we can use it as this powerful tool rather than just i want i want and yep. i'm going to pray because i need to get it this was one of the most exciting messages when i first came into new thought from religious science and that was my beginning in it. it and if i may that was it's my first manifestation of prayer if you will and it was before i knew i ought to use it this is how i i know this works in life whether you're conscious of it or not because 
at that point in my life where I discovered this, I wasn't looking for it. And I love how the spirit just says, oh, I know what you need. I love that. Yeah. So just to get out of the way, honey, and let me do this. You think you won. Spirit's just amazing at leading the way. And so I was in a, I was in a kind of a doldrums place in my life and I was looking for new kinds of opportunities to bring joy to myself. And I had always done that if in no other way through, through, through music, through singing. And so I was in actually a, a weight training class and I was living in Davis, California at that time, which is in the central part of the, the valley, just, just a little west of Sacramento, if people have a sense of geography. And uh, this weight training class, there was another woman in there and she was talking about uh, a music group that she was leading and got my attention. So I went to talk to her about it and I ended up in this little choir for a church group of people I'd never heard of, which was the, um, let's see, before we changed the name to CSL. So it was uh, the Church of Religious Science uh, in Davis. That was what they called it then. And I didn't know anything about them, but the moment I stepped into the sanctuary to be a part of this uh, musical experience, I knew I was home. It was just instant love, truly a beautiful connection. And from that, I just kept growing into it. But that came to me totally by accident. I wanted her to tell me where I could find a group where I could sing say jazz or the blues or music that was totally secular in orientation and she was so cagey she said well i'll ask some of the folks i know in music but right now i've got this little choir <laughs> that could use you and voila you know i've never looked back it was an extraordinary amazing i did not expect <laughs> it's amazing i wonder so this was your first encounter with with religious science. Yes, it was. And so I wonder what you had, what had been running in your mind as to your, what your prayer was, you know, on a deeper level yeah. for that knowing or that necessity within you to find that home That's so that you could learn question. and unfold. That's a good question. I think at that time, particularly since I was in this little weight training class, uh, my focus was, how do I uh, break free of old patterns in my life and do it in a way that is involved in health in various ways? And so that was the framing, all I had in a kind of incoherent way in my head. It wasn't really lasered at all, but it was enough. It absolutely was enough to manifest this extraordinary experience. Yeah. And uh, you know, I never had to look back because once I found the teaching, I knew it was exactly what I already believed. I just hadn't had it put into the words or incredible words of Ernest Holmes before. So it was an extraordinary experience for sure. And it, I just, I never wanted to do anything else as soon as I found it. Never yeah. wanted to do anything else. And I'll tell you one of the jokes of this for me is and I don't know the name of this test. There's, there's several of them out there, but along the way in my life, twice I've been in a work situation where I've been uh, told to take this test that tells you, maybe once was in college, I would guess, what your uh, best occupations are, best match to you. And, and both times um, they said I should be a minister. <laughs> and, and the first time I took that, I actually identified as an atheist. 
And I thought, oh no, this test is really bad. <laughs> Clearly, I mean, a minister, you've got to be kidding. I don't even believe in that hocus pocus big guy in the sky stuff, you know, and I still don't. But <laughs> fortunately, yeah. I have a teaching that doesn't use that idea. So it knew more than I did. <laughs> And you listened. That's the key here, isn't it? You know, I think you're right. And I appreciate you saying that. I never gave my the inner self of myself credit for that. Yeah. The listening was a key that I took in whatever I found. I, you're right. I'm. Thank you. That was. Oh, I've, yeah, that you listened. <laughs> <laughs> You've given me a great gift today because I've never <laughs> thought of it that way. Before. Oh, well, you you certainly are a gift you know, being here, I've got, I've, there's so many things bubbling up for me that I want to talk just on that one word piece that you've been saying. And I want to, first of all, say hello to Wayne. Hi, Wayne, there you are, golden bubble of peace. Yes, you are, Wayne. <laughs> Great that you're here commenting and being here and listening and taking in the the wisdom from uh, Reverend, Reverend Molly. I know this is going to be a, a wonderful unfolding of a conversation. And here on New Thought Media Network, where the, we love sharing all of this so that people can, we can all understand and get closer to, to that place of truth within us. Because it is an eternal journey. I believe it's an eternal, an eternal journey. Do you believe that too? Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Yep. And it unfolds in its own way, whether what we yeah. want of it may be in line with that and it may not. So learning to dance with it is the key. <laughs> learning to dance with it. So I want to talk about um, what you mentioned in, in that last piece you were talking about. You, you weren't laser focused and yet it still transpired. Yeah. Could you in explain that difference as you see it when we are when we are laser focused and in prayer how what is actually happening with that and how powerful that can be when we are laser focused absolutely and this i feel as if i i must do the the verbal footnote that comes straight out of ernest holmes because that is where i learned to think about these ideas in a way that made sense to me and that is combining our thought, the ideas in our minds with the fire, as he would often call it, of the feelings that go with that. And when you combine those together, you are most likely to produce something that manifests in some way into the world. It's that combination of thought and feeling that really does that. And of course, people are often combining thought and feeling in very uh, challenging and uh, even negative ways in their lives. And so here again is where the caution can come in and the opportunity to say, well, if I'm focusing my energy on self-condemnation uh, is really, I think is a crisis among people everywhere. Then that's an yeah. example of this. Then I'm going to create more of the experiences I don't want in my life that are the sources of suffering in my life. And it's always, always spirit kind of knocking at the door saying, this doesn't have to show up this way unless you choose it and you keep choosing it, you know? So the message I think is extremely important. And it's one of the reasons why 
the greater message of the New Thought movement is crucial for people to at least hear whether they agree with it or not. We're not asking the whole world clearly to give up all their religions. That is not something I would ask or want. I love the world's religious traditions. I think they're brilliant in their own ways. And each group of people, I think of them as having sort of discovered a facet of a gem we call the divine. And when you have to put all those facets together to really understand how the divine operates in human life. I don't believe any particular tradition has a handle on the whole thing, but our piece is essential too for folks to understand that they're part of something so powerful and that they can use it to shape their lives for good. And if they're not aware of it, they're still shaping their lives. Yes, that's the key. That's the sentence at the end there. If we're not aware of it, we're still, and it's the awareness of that that can that can completely change things just to become aware of that. Oh my gosh, I'm yep. creating it even though I'm not aware of it. It well, it's being created or it's happening through me, either way. Yeah. So I might as well be laser focused. Yes. And, and use it. In this there in this teaching there is such a profound expression of the dignity of all people there is such a profound sense that every single person has not just power but worthiness to use that power to shape the world for the better it's it's an extraordinarily honoring teaching of it humanity is. Yes, it is. I absolutely, I so agree with you, Reverend Molly, because I compare it to the religion, my religious origins of Judaism, which are beautiful and have so much to, to, to offer. And yet when I, not that I want to compare, but when I look at religious science, I can see how it is a, such a pra practical practice. Yes that absolutely offers for me to really analyze myself in a way and, yeah. and, and, and love that and then see that in others too and love that for others too. And isn't it done in a loving way, then it's all good. I mean, yesterday in this, our Sunday service, I was <clears throat> talking, uh, since I'm now serving in a unity community, I was talking about one of the 12 powers of man, which is the, uh, a construction of, of Charles Fillmore, talking about 12 different powers he saw so beautifully and fully unfolded in the life of Jesus of Nazareth, and how each one of us, because we are also made of that divine stuff, same as he was, that we contain all those 12 qualities. And so we take the calendar year, and we look at one per month, and we're looking at the spiritual quality of understanding in the month of February. And to, we were examining how it, it was called listen to my life is, is the, was the topic. And so I, I suggested to people that they can use their own life experience and where they see patterns repeating that they would rather change <clears throat> as these diagnostic tools to say, how do I want to shift this and do it though in a way that is gentle to oneself. It is essential yes. that it be gentle. And I'm often telling people, 
to be your best own best friend. Treat yourself the way you would treat a best friend, and you will go far in understanding how to use these principles with no need to condemn yourself or feel any sense of shame. People should never feel shame of what they don't about what they don't know yet, anyway. Because that 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 shame gets in the way of learning and of being excited yes. about the learning. And oftentimes in a, in a, in a, in a religious tradition, um, there can be um, automatic beliefs of shame and guilt yes. and not good enough um, because not praying the right way, not doing it the right way, not being subservient enough, uh, not being good enough, um, which spiritual mind treatment is certainly not holding us to a standard. It's inviting, I see it as an invitation to open up to being the greater of who we are. So how, oh, would, I agree. how would you, um, you for your own personal practice of prayer, how has that evolved uh, since that time that you were, were weightlifting in the gym? It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a great question. Because I too come from a tradition with an external deity. And while it was, uh, a kind one. It's a, a very progressive yes. Protestant denomination in New England, which is where I'm from, and part of the ecumenical movement back in the 60s. And it was a very good group of people uh, interested in peace and so forth. But for me, it, it never resonated particularly well because of its external focus in part to some big deity in the sky rather than like my gorilla Malcolm. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about Malcolm. <laughs> He's a much better deity oh. behind me than that. But the idea that it's all outside myself and there's something watching me kind of like the Santa Claus song, you know, you better watch out. You better not cry. It's like, oh, there's this deity that's watching. And my job then becomes to placate that entity. Right. And that really never sat well with me. I always thought, how do people invent ideas of deity that are so paltry that are this yeah. big you know rather than everything everything finding and it's me too <laughs> yeah it's yeah. teaching isn't it exciting when you discover there are people who have a larger sense of the divine so th for me it was a, a, a almost instantaneous shift because i was ready to make that change absolutely let me back up a little. Um, for many, many years, I'm now in my 70s, and so I have a lot of background. And in my 20s and 30s, uh, having given up belief in that uh, tradition I was raised in, I was casting about, as young people do, and I was fortunate to find this great book I'm looking at across the room, one of my five different versions of the Tao Te Ching. And that became my I have that book. too. It became my sacred book and the only sacred book I needed for almost a quarter of a century. It was, it still is extraordinary in my life. And so I came to embrace the ideas of living in this flow of life. It very much fit with my nature focus. I see that flow in life all the time in the natural world. So I had the ability at least to say, well, this is not mine to engineer. This is mine to listen to and see what comes. So when this moment occurred and I was introduced to this, not new, but new to me idea for whole philosophy, I was so ready, absolutely ready. And it shifted the way I thought of prayer in such relief because I had come from a tradition of 
worship. And I always said, I don't worship anything. I am equal to everything. And yeah. so worship doesn't sit well in me. It never has. For other people, I totally honor if you embrace that. If it feels like honoring to you, beautiful. It never did to me. It felt like demeaning myself in order to fit some external standard. And so when I found instead that prayer is my opportunity to recognize that this power and this sense of love is already mine and in me. And all I'm doing is opening a conduit to feel it and express it. Oh, that I was home. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, I'm just, you have shifted something for me. Just listening to you. I want to thank you. I feel like I'm just thank you. What you're saying is so powerful and so beautiful. Let me add a little bit to it. One of my favorite do. people I, I got to mentor was uh, a young woman who came to the Unity Church here in Eureka who really wanted to go to ministerial school. And so we sort of started a little um, educational process for her to get it the basics of the philosophy. And she came to me one day and she said, I love this, but who am I praying to? You're praying to you. To, I had to say back to her, you're not praying to, you're praying as. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So that's the key. When we understand that the core part of ourselves, as is taught in so many world traditions, I particularly love it from the Hindu tradition of the Atman, the divine within each one of us. When we're aware that that is greater than a spark. I, I appreciate the Kabbalah very much, and I appreciate thinking of of the the sparks of God within. It's a beautiful thing within that tradition in Judaism. But to me, it's larger than that. Even where we have this always available, and in, in unity, of course, it's often called the the Christ mind or the Christ presence within. And so, to be able to just rest in that knowing can lead a person into a very good prayer life by recognizing just to stop and just to breathe for a couple of minutes and allow yourself to let whatever is going to emerge come forth because it's always speaking to us. We just have to learn how to listen to it. It's rich, isn't it? Oh, when's your next workshop? <laughs> oh, <laughs> You know, what's I'd like to sign up. <laughs> no, <Yes>. online. <laughs> I will certainly let you know when something comes that would be just perfect. Because what's happening for me as you're saying this is I'm just getting this 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 deeper awareness of the embodiment of the that we are each the living prayer. Yes. And it's embodied already in me, in you, in each of us. And it's not that I'm praying by saying these words and feeling the feeling and creating this kind of container. It's already there. Yes. That's to what me, just came through for me as you were speaking good. that. Great. And I think this is the global message more than any other that we need to be imparting. Whether we are in a center for spiritual living or we're in a unity church 
or any of the other branches of new thought. We are all teaching this basic truth. And that is so powerful. I'm really grateful as a side that we're part of the Parliament of World Religions now because we get our message out to more people through that uh, yes. way. But to me, it's essential that people understand this because um, for me, most of human history, we're in a time now where people are talking about trauma and how that informs people's lives and their struggles. And if you probably heard the word a lot lately as well, yes. trauma informed, whatever growth yes. or, or teaching. And I am using that idea to recognize that for most of human history, many peoples, particularly uh, let's say in Western civilization and in, in Europe from the middle East, actually into Europe and then into the Americas through the colonization process, these peoples have been traumatized generation after generation after generation and have come through a lot of um, systems that have not been based in love. And I think in part that comes out of that continued culture of trauma. And one of the worst ideas I think that humans have ever come up with came from that. And that is the idea of original sin. Yes. The idea that we are flawed right from the get-go. I mean, how before how we like, even I don't think very many women who have children can believe that. Actually, men too. My own son, when when my granddaughter was born, his face suddenly looked like the Mona Lisa. It was like he was transfixed in this loving look he'd never had on his face before. When we look at a newborn, I don't think we see original sin. I don't think we do. I think you're right. For me, I like to embrace what Matthew Fox has been saying, that we are actually based in original blessing, that that is who we are. So as we can undo the trauma basis that caused people to come up with this really tragic idea of original sin, and I bless every one of their souls going back however many centuries that idea has been around, uh, that we start to release it and let go of this idea that we are somehow tragically flawed from the moment we come into this world. Uh, and we are instead coming in as blessings and our opportunity in this life is to learn how to express that. Yes. And that's the bridging. Yes. So this universal belief which is more of a paradigm that we're not enough. Yes. That is subconsciously running our lives. Mm -hmm. Even if we say, I'm enough, I'm in, I mean, I, I have a thing and I read it out every day. You know, it's a bit like the, uh, the Emma, Emma Curtis Hopkins, Radiant I Am. I may have created my own one, <laughs> a modern day version. <laughs> and it does say in it a few times, I'm enough. And then I question myself, why am I saying I'm enough if I'm, if I'm enough? Why am I actually saying it? Am I affirming it because I don't believe it? Or am I really saying it because I really, really know it anyway? And then I question that and, and I realize actually I'm just I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to change it. I don't need to change it because there's nothing to change. And I go around in this kind of spiral. I, I how do we how do we do that? How do we do that individually? Because it's it's a it's a collective thing because of the individual. I you know, um, we're taking responsibility for our own our own beliefs here, aren't we? 
We are, but I think it's often best done with at least one other person. And here I want to lift up one of the great teachers in my life, and that's Reverend Gregory Toole, who was the minister of the church in Davis when I came into this, or shortly after I came into this teaching. And uh, when I was in such despair, he came to my house one day and, and did a full practitioner session with me, which I didn't know what that was yet, but he did it. And as I was expressing, am I enough? You know, I don't feel like I'm enough. Or or is the word enough enough? All of those things. He kept saying, all I see is your magnificence. All I see is your magnificence. All I see is your magnificence. And so I would like us to even move beyond saying I'm enough and start saying I am magnificent. Yes. I am beauty. I am peace. I am love. For, and maybe the word enough works for lots of people. It may work very well for you. For me, it's always been too small a, a concept. Especially it doesn't work anymore for me. <laughs> yeah, no, because I've been questioning it. So I'm I'm realizing that it's not actually needed anymore because I've worked through that. Uh, it's taken time, yeah. though, and it's taken, pre- it's taken um, you know, me saying yes and making that choice and being being um i'm trying to look for the word but it's it's me taking responsibility and doing the work and doing the prayer work and the treatment work and seeing myself and feeling and knowing myself from a different light yeah and i know i have you know people have come on to the the cosmic prayer over the last year and a half and said oh you can change something very instantly with with a with a spiritual mind treatment you can't you can can't you and yet also for a deeper for something deeper do you believe it takes more like Ernest Holmes would pray until he'd pray unceasingly until there was a demonstration yeah. for something that's so deep rooted in our psyche? Right. Well, again, I think this goes back to the fact that so many of us have, have we, we've been Im, imbued with so many negative ideas uh, through our cultures that don't know how to use these concepts that we're talking about here. And so are floundering and they, you know, teach us how to flounder when we're children and we are learning how to undo that in our own lives. Children who are raised in this teaching, I'm so, so grateful. There's, there's so many of them because they have a, a, a jumpstart on the rest of us. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Again, as with this experience with uh, dear Reverend Gregory, he, uh, he was a mentor, but also a sounding board of my sense of, am I enough? It wasn't something I could do on my own. And so as far as prayer being instantaneous or taking a long time, I think that falls into our understanding of where our own sense of self-worth lies quite often behind that. And so it's really powerful to have a practitioner and to unpack these things in a very candid way to bring out the yes. really embarrassing thoughts that we try to hide. Wouldn't from most dare people. say because of that layer of shame. Right. So the minute you yeah. dare say it to even one person in your life, there, there can be this enormous sense of freedom that comes from daring to say it out loud. But if you say it to a person who's dedicated to work with you, to see that magnificence, 
uh, you're on a path of really being able to let it go. And you can get to that moment where it's an instantaneous shift. Sometimes it takes yes. a long time to get there because you're unpacking and undoing and letting go of so much. Yes. And we're unlearning. Yep. It's, it's like the people who say, oh, uh, that person's an overnight success, let's say, in, in, in um, singing. And they'll say, oh, it looks like that. But I've actually got 25 oh. years of actually coming oh, you know, up. The... Yeah. Yeah. So it's a both and, I think. <laughs> Oh, I'm so pleased you've 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 said this. This is so powerful, and uh, and yes, it's true. A practitioner, a prayer partner, somebody um, who is trained, and somebody who has an open heart and understanding yes. of how to use prayer. Um, it can be so powerful. I know for myself, I would not be without a prayer partnerships yes. that I have. Oh, and I prayer partnerships are amazing. Yeah. And here we have at New Thought Media Network, we have a, a prayer team, an existing prayer team that we have that's very loving and open hearted of practitioners. And if you have a, a prayer request, please, if you're listening now or at some point and there's something in your heart, something's resonating right now with this conversation with Reverend Molly and what's coming through. I'm sure there is. Uh, there's something. There's always something. <laughs> then please do use the New Thought Media Network prayer team for that. You can email in, whether it's a sentence or two or a paragraph, whatever it is that's in your heart. Just let us know, and we're here for you as practitioners at the network. And I'm sure, Reverend Molly, you have that too at your what, unity. What a great gift. Unity of Reverend Yeah, yeah. I'm going to um, I'm going to put a, qu a quick... Uh, break in here just for a couple of minutes and then when we come back I know Reverend Molly that you are you have a, an amazing singing voice and I'd love for you to share because you you mentioned a song that you had uh, that's in your heart that means a lot for you would you like to I'd be honored to share it with everybody yes okay to. thank you good okay let's put this on right now which one am I putting on I don't know uh, I'll, I'll put this on. This is a show that I'm doing with Reverend Kathy. Uh, it's going to be on next week. Reverend Kathy Masterani. I'll put this on Living Denver for your continued support. Thank you Center for Spiritual Living Midtown Atlanta for your monthly contribution. Thank you Center for Spiritual Living North Jersey for your monthly contribution. 
and please help us welcome Ohm Center for Spiritual Living in La Mesa, California. Thank you for your monthly donation. Thank you Center for Spiritual Living Seattle for your most generous donation. And a special thanks to Hefferlin Foundation for your generous technology grant. And Suze Ajit, thank you for your very generous donation. And a big shout out to all our committed donors. Good stuff and there. Welcome back to the Cosmic Prayer. My name is Laura, and I'm here just to lapping up this conversation with Reverend Molly Kate. Such an amazing uh, wisdom teacher that you are. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing from your heart so deeply about prayer. It's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm, I feel so blessed and for the listeners and viewers to have this experience of you. Thank you. It's a joy. Thank you so much for allowing yeah. me to be here. It's great. It's great. So I know that you, um, that you love singing and would you, would you like to sing? <laughs> I will I gladly do at least a verse of this favorite oh. unity song want to do a little setup for it first in that please do I'm, i want to put you into the main speaker so okay well unity as you've heard already those of you who are with us today is not my original tradition i was indeed trained in religious science and was joyfully able to go to Holmes institute in santa rosa for my ministerial training and Loved all of that. But when I moved here to Eureka seven and a half years ago, they had just hired their new minister at CSL Eureka just a month before I arrived. And so, you know, the, the beautiful honeymoon period, they didn't even want me for workshops. They wanted Reverend Angelica to do everything. And so I knew I wasn't going to find a way to use my ministerial training there. But I knew there was a unity a church in the community also. And so I went down the road and I found them without a minister at all. And so it became a, a, just a match made in heaven. It was perfect that I should be there. And for me, it's been a joy to, to sort of heal some of my standoffishness with the history of Christianity, because unity being the older sister, older sibling and new thought, uh, of course, has a little more of that uh, Christian edge or, or using biblical references, both from the Hebrew tradition and the Christian traditions. And I had um, the opportunity to heal a lot of my distancing that had happened for many years. So I'm so grateful to this community for being able to bring that to me. So what I did when I was asked if I wanted to um, be their minister um, I said what I would want to commit to them is that I would learn how unity is a little bit different. Its flavor is different, how its culture is different from what I had learned in religious science. And it's been a joyful 
path for seven years. And along the way has come this little song. And it's right in alignment with what we're talking about today, how our thoughts are opportunities at the same time, cautions is a responsibility in life for us to do the work, as Emmett Fox so marvelously taught, to pay attention to our thinking and what are the messages we are giving ourselves all the time. Because whether we choose to or not, we are using this power of thought combined with emotional resonance to manifest into our lives. And that's what this song tells you in this lovely little way. And I'll just do the first verse for you. It's called Our Thoughts Are Prayers. And it goes like this. Our thoughts are prayers and we are always praying. Our thoughts are prayers. Take care with what you're saying. Seek a higher consciousness, a state of mindfulness, and know that God is always there. And every thought becomes a prayer. Now, what I like about that song is the way it has a progression to it. Our thoughts are prayers and we are always praying. That's your cautionary statement. Whether you choose to or not, what you think and how you are putting that fire of feeling behind it is what is likely to manifest in your life. And so when we seek a higher consciousness, a state of mindfulness, and other verses say a state of peacefulness, that's the key to getting to that place within us that recognizes the higher and highest good within us. And so then each verse ends with, uh, and God is always there and every thought becomes a prayer. And that becomes is so lovely because it reminds us that while we may be praying for negative things, we can learn to become the beauty of prayer through this expansion of our willingness to listen within. And I mentioned Emmett Fox because of his lovely little book, The Seven-Day Mental Diet. If you haven't tried it, oh, do. It's a challenge to spend seven days without a negative thought. <laughs> I laugh because for most of us, going one hour can be quite a challenge, let alone seven days. Thanks, Laura. That was fun. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I haven't heard that song before. I know Diego, who's our amazing producer here at New Thought Media Network, his, uh, was on the show before we, we got going. And he was saying that he knew that song. I've never heard of that song. And I'm going to now I'm going to look that song up and, and listen yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. There are several versions of it at YouTube that people can find. And it's it's just a joy, absolutely a delightful song, a gentle reminder to all of us too. A gentle reminder. So what about Reverend Molly, when we're having good thoughts or what we think are good for, thoughts are positive and high vibe, high vibrational thoughts, and yet still our life isn't as we think it should be, or we're seeing it as another kind of feeling it as another experience. How do we, oh, or are we even meant to close that gap? Oh, or, you know. 
I'm excited you asked this. And I'll <laughs> the audience, I did not ask Laura to say that. This is not a no. song at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> this is all natural. <laughs> perfect lead into this other story I wanted to make sure I shared with you today because I, I really wanted to combine the idea of prayer with today being Valentine's Day and a celebration of love. And there's a story in my own life that expresses this so perfectly. And that uh, has to do with what you just asked. We have the opportunity to create this. We have to understand what it means in order to do so. And there was a moment in my life where, frankly, I thought I had this fairly well down. I'd been through all the the teachings, the, the, the educational process in my uh, Center for Spiritual Living to come up to practitioner studies. I did my two years of practitioner training and then I went into Holmes Institute and was there for uh, four and a half, five glorious years, the best education I have ever gotten anywhere. As an aside, I also have a master's degree from uh, a major university, and I consider my education at, at Holmes Institute vastly superior because it, 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 it wanted to help heal and train all of me, not just my mind. So I highly recommend yes. it. So there I was. I finished all of that. Well, what happens is once you finish uh, your schooling at Holmes Institute, you, if you pass, of course, you get your master's degree in consciousness studies, which I did, but not yet your license to be a minister. That's a different process. You go through uh, panels, oral paneling uh, was happened happened in Silomar on the coast of California, south of San Francisco. Uh, when I was doing it. And so I confidently went there in August for this big celebration and the panels. And I uh, walked into that panel of three ministers of confident that I knew what was necessary and failed. Absolutely failed. It was an extraordinary moment. And if Reverend Gregory gets to hear that, he will remember because he was there and he was just so bereft that something had gone wrong here. How could this go wrong? I had sat in that panel and, and talked to them about all the things I wanted to do. I was speaking from my head and not my heart. And I wasn't even aware of that. Mm -hmm. It was a place in me that was still so unhealed. And, and he, he would recognize what I'm saying because we had grappled with the concept of love uh, in those classes. And for me, I thought I had done a lot to heal that, but I still had a belief in me that love is not real. It's conditional always in people. And that's what this was a, a challenge to. The ministers in that room said to Gregory and he conveyed to me that they were heartbroken too. They, see, they saw my gifts and what I was bringing, but they couldn't in good conscience pass me on to ministry because they didn't feel I had expressed to them this heart that I would be teaching from. And so they asked me to spend that rest of that day and that night uh, in prayer and to come back the next morning. It wasn't a, no, you're done. It was a comeback tomorrow morning. It was a beautiful gift. It was one of the best gifts I've ever gotten in my wow. life. And so I got to spend that night and I had an extraordinary experience and it came from prayer. And I found where the impediment was in me and it was in my relationship from uh, many, many years before with my own mother, where I had built up this false belief 
that she had not been a loving presence in my life. We didn't really relate to each other very well. And so never got past those funny blockages you create from just experiences. And I never delved into the depth of that. I think something in me was still afraid to do so. But that night, I was absolutely committed to finding a way through. And so in many, many hours of prayer and journaling and meditation, I broke open to something new. And this was an experience that combined where I was in that very painful moment with a training I'd had from a lovely Jungian psychotherapist I had seen for a few years before who had given me this gift of a, a mental process a kind of guided imagery process that I then have used for many years since of going to a place where I could get, get a message. And that place for me had always been a little garden with a wrought iron bench in it where I would sit and then gain whatever the message was to come. Well, this night, without even asking that to emerge, just from my prayer spirit, what is it I'm asked to do here. I'm at a loss. I don't even know what to ask for. I am open. I am lost. Came this image and I, in my mind, walked into this garden I had been in so many times before and I sat on that wrought iron bench and wh wh who came to me was a completely hooded and cowled figure, no body showing at all. Maybe it's out of Dickens' Christmas Carol. I don't know. But it was this being I couldn't see at first walked up to me and said to me the, the things I needed to hear about love. And in the middle of those statements, threw back the cowl and there was my mother. As she was as a younger woman. And she was transmitting all of this to me in a moment of such deep need in my heart. And I just lifted up. I mean, it was almost like I was levitating out of the chair. And I cried and I thanked her and I knew we were one in spirit. You know, just it all came through without words, I think, a lot of it. And that was that was what I got that that was the gift of that night. And so the next day, as I walked into that panel, I, I felt like I was about two inches above the ground, to be honest oh. with you, I walked into the room. I walked into the room. I said, thank you for this gift of a second opportunity. They all looked at each other and said, we don't need to ask any questions. We can see it. We can feel it. Your heart is pouring. Oh. You pass. You're good. <laughs> That was a gift of prayer like no other I've ever had. And it was a gift of love. And that now is the anchor of what I remember to come back to always. Yes. That teaches me what then, of course, Gregory, Reverend Gregory had said, this is the magnificence. It's not me. It's not ego saying I'm magnificent. Oh, aren't I, you know, I'm not too, too like Madonna. I'm just, no, this is something in me that's bigger than the mind of my consciousness uh, as a human. This is the magnificence that every single human being has. It's such a gift.
to be able to share that story with you today. Um, and thank you for sharing. That's a personal, intimate story. And your mother, you know, we're all aspects of our of, of everyone. And so for your mother to come through like that and 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 give you what you what you absolutely needed in that moment to break through. Um, this was just so powerful. It's I love I love what you how you're sharing this because it's it's telling me how prayer can show up in the most incredible of ways. It doesn't just have to be fixed five step spiritual mind treatment. <laughs> no, beautiful as that is, and I love those five yeah. steps. Absolutely, of course, beautiful. it's the yeah. groundwork and foundation for for prayer, and yet then it evolves into other things and other yeah. ways. It truly does. It truly does. And they and recognize that, that. And and Reverend Molly Kay is here. <laughs> it still sustains yeah. me. And that's when I'm in counseling with people, uh, both from what Gregory did in that beautiful session saying, all I see is your magnificence. And this great gift from my mother, who ha I should have said at the beginning, had, was no longer in this life. She had made her transition. I was going to ask you. Yes, yeah. I had forgotten to add that piece. So she, she was coming to me from her spiritual perfection to give that gift. Th these two things together are, have, have welded themselves into my heart and they are truly where I teach from in all that I do. Yeah, it's such a great gift that they both have given me, these people. Thank you so much for being here today, Reverend Molly. I, oh. I would love to be here with you for another hour and yet I can't because there's programming coming up oh. and yet I would love for you to come back onto the cosmic prayer and share again because I know I there's more that that is seeking to be expressed. That would be you. a great joy. Thank it you. It would be amazing. Much. And for this work you're doing. Thank you. Well, and you know, I just follow my heart with it. And everyone that's here today, Bonnie, you know, Bonnie's here. You're doing the for grief. She has a show coming up in a couple of hours. Her first show on Val Valentine's Day. Ooh. I want to give a shout out for everybody that's watching right now come back or stay here on you thought media network because there's a prayer show after this one as well and then bonnie is here with her show your doula for grief which i know is going to be absolutely incredible um so there we go your doula for grief thank you diego i love you thank you for doing that her debut show today is here on you thought media network so this is really exciting and um, Angelica, yes, wow, what a beautiful story that uh, Reverend Molly shared. And of course, Ray Jordan, uh, the the individual responsible for connecting us. Yes. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you, Ray. Ray will be coming on to the Cosmic Prayer, I hope, in the near future to share her gifts and all uh, her, her, her knowing of prayer and all the amazing work that Ray does with visioning and her vision oh, yeah. quest. In Everyone the world, so we hear about that. <laughs> Absolutely, raise a tree. And so, thank you, uh, Reverend Molly, for thank all that you are. Such a blessing. Thank you, Laura, for all that oh, you are and do. You're shining a great light. I'm so grateful to be here today. It's amazing, and I would love for you to share a prayer as we exit the cosmic prayer. Would you? Yes, indeed. You would. Please. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Take a moment, close your eyes if you're comfortable, soft gaze at nothing in particular if that's better for you, and breathe. Recognize with each breath 
that you're going within to this sanctuary of the heart within you. This is the place where the light shines forth from you. It is always there. It is the oneness that we all are part of. It is the blessing that is your life too, because that oneness includes each and every person listening to my voice right now. And so I recognize from that truth, the realization that each and every one of us has immeasurable gifts to give to the world as we learn first to give them to ourselves. And from that celebration of gift giving to ourselves, of the recognizing of love within our hearts, flows forth the light that we share with the world and makes our lives actually easier, even on a practical level. So I am grateful for this opportunity to share some ideas on prayer today with Laura, and I bless the work that she is doing, and Diego behind the scenes, and dear Reverend Robert behind that, man I met when I was last in Denver as a part of CSL training. Blessings to you all. I release this prayer with your help, and we all can say together, and so it is. And so it is. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you, everyone, for being here and being on the Cosmic Prayer today. Until next week. Bye, Reverend Molly. Bye, everyone.